Hey, hey, welcome back, podcast listeners. Thank you again so much for tuning into the Strong Asian Lead podcast. This week's episode is going to be a little different. We don't have a guest this week. I'm actually going to do a solo episode. I actually don't like talking about myself very often. It's not uh, kind of a humble, I try to be humble as possible. I do have a lot to say and a lot to talk about on the podcast and on the Instagrams and uh, social stuff. I try not to talk about myself that much. I don't see the need for it. There is no, I just, I want to uplift other people. And, you know, because everybody else, everybody's doing so well. And I want people to be able to just have a chance to talk about what they're working on and what their ideas are. I don't want to hear myself ramble on about the in- industry or whatever I'm working on. But people ask me all the time what I'm working on. I've got so much to talk about. It's actually sometimes super overwhelming. But at the same time, I do understand and, and respect that people you know, want to hear and learn about me more. I get phone calls all the time to know what about Strong Asian Lead and what else I'm working on and who I am as a person. But actually, a lot of people don't know who I am, what I do, what I'm, my goals are. Yeah, so we're going to take a quick episode break between this and, and just do a 30-minute rant, <laughs> rant ramble about myself. So that uh, people who are listening can get to know me a little better. That's a part of the process. And at the same time, I would love for people to just introduce myself to me. Because I think I'm still generally new to the industry. A lot of people in LA don't know who I am. I have a good friendship base in New York. But yeah, you just can't do Hollywood in Brooklyn, as I tell people. It's, It's a huge difference. But yeah, let's get into it a little more. Again, my name is David Masami Moria. I am Japanese American, fifth generation. What we would say in our in, in the Japanese American group, I'm a Yonsei Gosei, which means fourth generation, fifth generation. My grandparents and my great grandparents came over and immigrated, so it's like a little split there. Yeah, and I went to school and grew up in Southern California and placed a little place called Ontario, California. It's really not much. <laughs> a sewer plant down the road, cows next to the high school. Like it was, it was what it was. And you know, I went to school in UC Riverside for a couple of years. Yeah, I technically didn't graduate. Technically, I just we did all four years, but I'm missing my language. So eventually, I'll get to that. I took two two semesters of sign, uh, American Sign Language, and then uh, I peaced out for New York because I was supposed to take that summer (laughs) and go to my third semester, but I didn't. It's okay. (laughs) New York was amazing. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about community and people and living and being independent. One of the the best things I learned about New York was that I was not almost none of my family's there. I have some family, some extended family there who I got to stay with for the first few months and then they got kicked out just because they wanted their space and they thought I'd be out by then. Um, but what was great was that I had to be self-sustainable. I don't ask for loans. I try not to ask my parents for any money. And if I do, I pay it right back, moving money places and that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, I learned a lot about myself and just how to be resilient in New York. Because I think the thing is, is when you're in New York, it's a whole different hustle than LA. There's people everywhere that the grind of everybody else doing things makes you want to do more. And not saying LA people don't do that, but I feel like there's such a little bit of a laid back purpose here. Everybody's got one, maybe two things working on, but New York, it feels like everybody's got five things. So you want to, (laughs) you feel like you have to keep up and and keep going. So uh, I did a lot. I did a lot back then, did a lot for a little money, did a lot for some money. It was fine. I did photography for many years. Um, 
And then I just felt like I wanted to go back to my filmmaking. I missed telling stories in long formats and narratives that I decided to move back to LA after four and a half years in New York. I moved about five different times in five different apartments. I really missed my last apartment, you know, over in, in Bushwick. And it was just, New York is an amazing place. If you ever get a chance to live there, do it. If you're, I think it's, it's, I will say it's like a young person's game. It's a hustle and you don't have a car if you don't have a car and most people don't and you take the subways and you have to deal with people and all that, but, and the weather changes. I love all four seasons, but yeah, I just knew I couldn't do screenwriting and filmmaking and do my career as in someone who wanted to be in Hollywood in Brooklyn. It just doesn't work there. I keep telling people who are in New York or who want to be in the industry who aren't in LA. If you want to do it, just know, you know, if you don't want to be in LA, just know that it's going to be a lot harder. It's going to be a lot longer to take on account. And you're with a lot of, you're with people who aren't always in the industry. LA is on the opposite spectrum where almost everybody you meet is in the industry, which is a good and bad thing. It's exhausting to always think about your always working kind of way. And so we're always talking to something about the industry. But at the same time, because people know each other and it's an industry about who and someone knows who you are and they get used to you and it's not just an over online thing, it's easier for people to refer you to people. So I just knew, and being like, being a screenwriter, like, getting your agent and manager, they're going to want you in LA because they're going to want you to take meetings, especially before the pandemic and the Zoom calls and stuff. It was always like in-person kind of things. Yeah, that's always impetus for me to move. I also realized how the, the Asian American community out in New York is really good and really great. But at the same time, the Asian American entertainment community is out here in LA, not only because it's the West Coast and there's more Asians uh, and Asian Americans in the area, but because it's Hollywood, more people have the opportunity to work in the industry and get a PA gig and get someone to refer you to do things. So I did decide to come back to LA um, at the end of 2019. So I moved back in with my parents for a few months, got my, I was sleeping in my car. <laughs> I was trying to get gigs. I was doing some free work ever at AFI. There's some amazing people at AFI. I just love the program that they're doing. Because they had to do a project once every three weeks. And I think that was a really fast turnaround just because you had to, um, yeah, you had to do it under pressure. I think that was really important for new filmmakers to know, not only to have some sort of budget, make it look really great, work with a team and get it a turnaround, but that if you're a working filmmaker and you're work on set, you're going to keep going. You're going to be there every weekend late nights and try to make budgets and make uh, time crunches you know i did sleep in my car i was la is an hour away from where i was living and what ends up happening is that if i get off at midnight <laughs> on some of those gigs if i get home at one o'clock and i want to take a shower and eat something it's going to be two o'clock by the time i get to bed and if i need to be there back at eight o'clock nine o'clock i gotta leave at six <laughs> so most nights, most nights, but oftentimes I would find a nice parking spot and I'd get some blankets and pack up in my car. It was actually, I enjoyed it. I will say that's a male privilege of mine to feel like safe sleeping in my car. And, but I did it. I, I got, <laughs> I made instant coffee. I'd find hot water at a Starbucks somewhere and just do that and save a few bucks on coffee. And I'd find some breakfast somewhere, eat a protein bar and just go back to work. It was uh, an experience for sure. 
But of course, I didn't actually did a couple of commercial, uh, one commercial with Jeep, and that was really insightful uh, to work, you know, a 12 hour day, you know, on the dot, come in on time, leave on time. That was all really cool. And then, um, you know, go travel. And I was at Art PA. I got painting stuff. I went to Blick and I, I did PDFs. You just do work. And I was um, generally pretty good at it. And, I made mistakes. Like every PA makes mistakes, and that's the thing too. Is like I would, I came in late once. I never did that again. <laughs> I painted. Uh, I did uh, a lacquer thing, and that turned out awful. And I don't think they used it. I hope they didn't because it looked terrible. Um, and but I go on a run. Got to get some balloons. Got to get this, and got to get up on time. And you just did your best. I got called back for another gig, and then as that gig went into about day three, we got shut down for COVID. Yeah, I didn't, I learned a lot on those sets, but I didn't get a real chance to get my foot in the industry. It was, I got shut down and for the next year I was at home with my parents and as much as I love them, it was tough. Back in my own childhood bedroom, uh, stuck in a little 12 by 12 with all my stuff, almost nowhere to go. And I never, I felt like I never had any privacy except for my room and that just felt so cost, claustrophobic. We all had a really rough time. I'm just glad I got out of it. And we built Strong Asian Lead because I had time. I had the expenses. I had the privilege to crash my parents' place. And I just worked really hard. Not only on building Strong Asian Lead, but also my screenplay stuff. More research, more reading. I had time to read and I'd just spend a whole day out in the lawn with my dogs and just read a book. Sometimes I'd go cover to cover and I miss those days a lot. Yeah, and then we'd have, I just have time to write. I just sit out in the sun and take my laptop and just burn it out all day it was um really exciting but it was also really long so i'm actually glad now i'm in la we're still strong asian leads still going you know pun and pun intended i'm still going pretty strong i still get people calling in and we're still growing um for people who are continuing and people who are listening in this podcast this is it's a small group of listeners, so thank you for listening in. You're pro- you are probably like one of our 10% of our listeners, just alone. And but at the end of the day, we're still getting phone calls and good good connections. And what I love about what we're doing is that people still feel like this is a needed. However, I will say right now and going forward, we were gonna we're gonna go back to Clubhouse as much as podcasting is traditional and it's recorded and you can keep it there. We we definitely found better engagement on Clubhouse, and we want to bring Clubhouse back onto the thing. I think it's the important part about the Clubhouse part is that people get to tune in, not only tune in and listen, but they get to raise their hands and ask questions or leave a comment right then and there. I think that it was the biggest thing about having this podcast. I wanted to talk to people, but not everybody's getting a chance to talk now. So I think that was the, that's another side and negative side of having a podcast. So we will be going back to Clubhouse. Please tune in for that. I would like to start that next week. So the week that you're listening to this podcast now, which should be on the 10th, 11th week, I would like to have more podcasts come back in around that time. So we will be turning back into that. So please tune in and uh, yeah, ask your questions and we'll have guests and we'll have conversations. And I think everybody gets to have an opinion. I think that's, that was, that is the bigger point. And I think that's where we'll be going and moving forward, tuning back into clubhouse, going back to, back to what I'm doing. I'm also being a screenwriter is it's difficult work. It's tiring work and it's hard to feel like you're always moving. But recently, as some of you, as some of you may know, I do, I did get a manager recently. 
the way that happened was a friend, shout out to Tope, and she, I, I was just with a friend and I told her, well, she's like, what you working on? And I told her a little about the story and then throughout the day, the story kept getting bigger and bigger because I would always drop a little hint there. Um, it would just, it was came natural and I know the story, my story so well and it's so big that there's so much to tell. Thankfully, she referred me to somebody who she thought that might be a really good fit. Um, and he saw my sizzle reel that I had put together. And then he had the phone call and he let me pitch. The biggest thing for me was that if you let me talk about it, that's where it goes. If you just read it, you might not know where it goes. Because the pilot, I feel like the problem with pilots and TVs is that sometimes you're stuck. You're stuck with that first pilot and that's all they're going to read. And if they don't know the whole story, they're not going to know where it goes. Um, and I think that was always a huge struggle for me. So I'm very thankful that my manager, uh, James Smith, <laughs> yes, I know it's James Smith sounds like such a, um, bland fake name, but it, it's a real guy. <laughs> um, and uh, he listened to it and he just said, yes, this is, this is something real. And I had more pitches for movies and, and TV series that I are in my same genre as the, as the pitch I just pitched him. And he's a, we're looking for something like that asked to read two of my screenplays he came back in a couple weeks and he said we're gonna we're gonna sign with you so welcome to the team and that was a really great feeling especially since the, the script i sent him was just total shit <laughs> uh, i don't know why i didn't proofread it or anything i looked at it and i was like wait this is an old draft this is a draft i should not submit to any screenplay festival <laughs> and i realized it was like a two-month draft from super last year and um yeah, so I'm thankful that he even he just saw like past past it, past all the shitty shittiness of it, and he's like, "There's a story here." I'm like, "Okay, great," because we're a lot further than that. So this past two three weeks, I've been rewriting the whole script based off the notes. I'm really happy about it I, because the vision is so clear that I can just go and, and get it and fix all the issues that I I see and, and want to expand on the story. And but yeah, that's been my life for the past few weeks on top of screenwriting and doing all this. So it's been really cool, and I, I really am privileged and thankful that I ha now have a manager. The best thing about it is that I have somebody behind my back. Um, for those who are listening and don't have a manager, just keep going. Really get into the story and don't give up. I didn't win any screenplay contests. I've made finalists a few times. I failed a bunch of times. But even I, I hear so many stories at the screenplay contest. You might even win, but they don't have a manager. I have a lot of friends who have made a lot of screenplay contests or mentorship programs or fellowships and they still don't have a manager or they got fired from a TV show or whatever. Like just, it, it, it's all different for everybody. I'm really thankful that the manager I have is within, who loves my genre, who's all about it. He really gets me and we've only had a couple of phone calls, but we, I feel like he really understands what I'm looking for, what I can do, what my special abilities are and how big in the scope of my projects are just keep going managers are really tough to come by but also at the same time you know screenplay contests are not everything helpful sure but i think that at the end of the day the managers and agents have to be looking for the project you're working on and if the screenplays that this got the contest don't have the managers who, who are looking for you they might read you but if they're not looking for the projects that you might have, it doesn't really matter. I would say find find that story, find the genres, make it if you have to. I think, again, the biggest thing that helped me a lot was having the sizzle trailer. It's two minutes long. 
I just did a really good job of ripping a lot of <laughs> ripping a lot of movies. Sometimes they call it a ripomatic, just because you're ripping a to- whole bunch of movies um, and TV shows into something that you feel is right. And and I'm also thankful that in my past lives I'm a filmmaker. So the other thing that people probably really don't know about me is that I used to be a filmmaker. I still am, but I just moved into screenplays because I know if I continue making film short films and stuff for me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Not only because some of the screenplays I just can't make on my own that I want to tell, but the for me short films you're gonna what you're gonna make a go into the film festival and then what you're gonna make a, a whole round around the country then what short films don't sell and really they want to know what you have going on next even if I made a feature film which is gonna be a long endeavor which I don't have any of the money for I'm not gonna put on credit cards and I don't have time to make it and as much as I want to, I do want to be a director. And I can direct to to an extent. That's not my forte. That's not the thing that I really want to do. I want to tell the stories, but the stories need to be written first. So that's my impetus: that they need to be written. So I will focus a lot of my time in the screenplays. And as much as I haven't been on the game on the field, and people don't know what I'm doing and how I've done it, um, and see my vision, that's okay. I don't need you to see what's going on. I just need one. Believe in me. Listen. Listen. What's going on? And, keep up for me it's not about all the likes all the stuff and pushing out new films because for me that's not where i'm going i'm working on my screenplays there's a big story here and i want to get it so freaking good that some no one can deny it that's where i want to get to the point so that no one can deny the screenplay need to buy it and then make it with multi-million dollar money (laughs) like get that money that's the thing if i try to make my screenplays it's going to take a lot of money out of me it's going to take a whole lot of crowdfunding which just for me just won't work and and that's and i also just want more voices on it um i think the thing about making independent films and stuff like that is that it feels very solo and i hear a lot of projects that my producers aren't doing well i need to find the directors and dps and then you're the writer as well as the director and the actor sometimes and you're it's just so many balls to juggle and, and it's just it's exhausting i know how the feel is and it to then maybe put it out on the internet and like nothing happened. <laughs> it's, it's exhausting. So again, for me, it's, it all comes down to the story. They always tell you it's coming down to the story. So how am I spending my time getting the story right and continually working on the story? I've been working on the same story for the past almost three years now, and it's gotten so much better since the first draft. I've probably gone through 15, 20 drafts at this point. From page zero, I have no problem killing pages. That is not a problem for me. I can, if I, if you give me a day and I'm not doing anything else that day, I can get through at least 10 pages a day. That's an average. And even last night, I think I got through four pages. I'm just like staying up late and getting the story down and seeing the vision, just going, knowing that you have to change things later and then go back later. Like just keep writing. Um, it's a discipline. It's a practice. It's an art. And, and a craft. So if you're not practicing it constantly and getting better at it, it's going to take you a long time. It's a muscle and you have to keep um, building that. So that's something that I do all the time. I also used to be a photographer. Again, like I said, I'm a lot. I'm a lot to handle sometimes. Even for myself, I burn out very fast. But I used to be a photographer. I used to do, what, I had a nonprofit called Rogue Photo. I helped out activists and, and nonprofits get photos for their, their events. And, I, you know, take a bunch of photos in and share it with them. And I did other, I worked for 
other artists, a very famous musician once. I did that for about six months, and that was cool. We toured the world, or toured Europe, not the world, Europe, and and that was great. Uh, I made a lot, again, I made a lot of mistakes. That was my younger years. I was probably like 23 at the time, Um, and I had never had a photography job. She gave me the opportunity, and I just generally knocked it out of the park. I have a ton of these photos that I've never seen the light of day, and they're really dope. Photography, and then I did other gigs, and I still get asked to do photography gigs here and there. It's just not for me. It's not for me. I people even say I'm a good photographer, and I I won't deny that I'm not. But at the same time, it's like taking content, and as much as I want to help other people build that, being a photographer, you just don't get enough credit or enough pay for it. Sometimes I get enough pay, and that's fine. But you're always helping somebody else. I feel like I almost never got referrals from that person to somebody else. Maybe once or twice is always finding new clients, and it was very difficult. People were really unappreciative of some of the work I did and how fast I do it and how organized I did it and sent it to them and gave it back. And some of the gigs um, were, every gig was really easy, all pretty much the same to me. It doesn't matter what it was, whether it was a five-year-old's birthday party or a concert in, in at the Brooklyn Bowl. It's all the same to me. It's just about lighting and crafting and learning how to use your camera. So it was always fine. And some of the gigs I just didn't care about some of those birthday parties and as much as I, they're great. Sometimes they're paid super well. I just didn't care. So I pretty much gave up on photography. It's a good hobby and skill. And maybe one day I need to go back and just take quick shots, some headshots around here in LA and be like, Hey, you want some new headshots or you just want to screw around and pay me a, a minimum fee or buy my lunch and stuff like that. That's fine. Um, but that's, it's just not something I want to spend my time doing anymore. I spend a lot of money, not a whole lot of money working on cameras and stuff. And I'm, I do miss photography, but honestly, the taking photos, great. Seeing the photos on camera, great. Going to edit them and organize them on your computer and fill up hard drive space and then try to post them on Instagram and socials, hated it. It's exhausting. Even, even though I can, I got it down to a T that I'm in within a few hours and, and done. I'm just fast at what I do now. It's easy for me to do fine, but a lot of times I'm just not paid enough and I don't want to do it. What's it going to do me? I'm not trying to make a a career out of photography. I don't want to be a famous photographer. I don't care. (laughs) It doesn't serve me anymore. So I didn't give up on that career, but I did stop it. I just don't know how to use a camera very well and I'll use it again in the future when I have kids or whatever and I need to, I want to take pictures and stuff like that. But it also, it consumed my life a lot. I, I stopped doing it because I would take my camera everywhere. I felt like I was always the camera guy. I felt like no one wanted me unless I brought my camera and gave them to them, gave photos to those people. I felt like I had a lot of friends like that, that if I didn't bring my camera, I wasn't really their friend anymore. And that kind of hurt. I felt like that's all they wanted me for. And so I stopped. Yeah. So it's it's a rough, and I'm glad a lot of people still do photography and great, but that's it's just not for me. And and screenwriting is screenwriting and storytelling and and doing the projects I want to work on. I don't even care how how much I'm not paid or at this po- moment I want to get paid later for sure. <laughs> but it has taken me a long time to get where I'm at right now, and and I just feel like I'm doing the right thing for myself. Yeah, it, try things. That's the lesson here is try things. If you feel like this is right for you as an art craft, you want to do it, go for it. I stopped. I was doing screenwriting and photography uh, and filmmaking for many years. And when after the 2016 election, I became a protest photographer. 
that's when I said, I, I got to stop doing filmmaking and screenwriting. I need to learn. I need to do this direction for right now. I said about a year. I was like, I'm going to do this for a year, do photography, uh, do a business, learn about community and activism and see what this world is. And this is how I can support. And I did it for almost exactly a year. That was pretty interesting. And when I went back, I was like, oh, it's been a year. And now I learned. And I came back to filmmaking and screenwriting with a whole new knowledge set of life experiences. Um, amazing. It was an amazing experience. I will never uh, trade it in for anything else. But it's now what I'm doing is something that I feel like is right for me. They're doing the community, doing strong Asian lead. Yeah. So I, I got out of the lesson. That's what that is. And we're going to wrap up pretty soon because I don't want to keep talking about myself. We don't, no one needs to hear me for a whole hour as much as people maybe want to or whatever. We can talk about that later. And we're always here to do that. And I feel like I don't have any lessons to share with you beyond just a few of my experiences. But yeah, I think what's going on with me right now is just moving forward. Um, Strong Asian lead's been great. I've always, you know, I tell people now it's, it's actually hard, really difficult to describe what we're doing at Strong Asian lead because we are doing so many different things and I haven't been able to even lock down a good mission statement ever. (laughs) It's always changing and it's always really difficult and not, it's just really broad. You know, thanks for everybody for tuning in people who are still listening in and following us. Like we are doing great things. And I feel like there's a lot of people who are, are enjoying and enjoying, but appreciative of what we're doing. So thank you for everybody who's tuned in and said that to us, but we're actually going to move into something else as well. We're going to, we're building a new project. Hopefully we'll have some sort of release by the end, end of August that people can tune in a little bit and interact with us a little more. Um, not just an Instagram. It's not just a social media. It's not just, it's not super self-serving. This is for the community. And we hope to you now make a little change, make a little splash and, and really give back and stay tuned for that. I think it's, I think it's a cool project. I've been working on it for the past couple of weeks and seeing how fast the project is already moving and the popularity of what people were saying, oh, that's necessary. Um, I'm excited to launch it pretty soon. So we will, we will keep in, keep you posted about that. Yeah. And I think that's the other part about, about me too. People that might not know, I'm a huge tech nerd. I've built my own computer. I've built other people's computers. I've broken computers. I fix problems. I fix issues, computer issues. Sometimes if I'll talk with people who are just on Zoom with me and they'll lose something, I'm like, take four fingers and swipe on your trackpad. Oh, fixed. (laughs) I'm just, I'm in tune with technology and I've built all my websites before. Um, The one I'm building now and the app that I'm building, that's no, not all me, but at the same time, the tools, I know how to use them. It's the Squarespace kind of stuff. Like I didn't make Squarespace. I'm not a coder, but Squarespace helped me really make my website, (laughs) but I'm good at that. I I will say I'm I'm pretty technological handled. Um, And because of my filmmaking, editing days, editing video, ripping movies, getting audio, uh, streaming stuff, like that's always been pretty, pretty solid for me. On top of that, the research that I've done, I will find things and then make them better or tune them out or fix them and so that I can listen to them. Other people can listen to them. I have some really interesting ideas that I want to bring out to the community in the next couple of years or so. But knowing that I have the technological background, I can do that, not only support myself and, and get let me watch things and let my grandmother watch things who doesn't have the internet and that's it's a huge part of me that technologically with dslr cameras video editing software visual effects software 
that's all I'm, I've got a solid handle on that. That's always been my little skill set forever. Always been a skill set of mine and it's helped me through everything. So I think the other lesson that, that comes from that is learn what you expand on, which, and then learn other skill sets. There's a lot more to learn in this world. Even I have more to learn, not only morally and socially, but skillfully. I'm trying to take care of plants now. I found this plant outside that I rescued and it's still living. It's actually grown some two new sprouts and two new leaves that I did not notice until a few days ago. And it's cool. That kind of stuff. It's helpful for other things too. And just keep expanding your knowledge. If you're a screenwriter, learn some video editing. Learn how to just get your phone out and learn how to edit something. Look out how, watch and look at how TikTok people edit. And remember, Vine was super cool. You only had six seconds and people edited really fast. I think that was really amazing. If you're an editor, learn how to screen. Actually, I think a lot of editors are great screenplay writers once they get the craft of it because they know which scenes count and which scenes don't. Um, same if you're a director. If you're a director and you've never touched a camera, touch a camera. Learn how, you learn how to use the camera really well and you learn how to edit too. Like When you know how to do all those things, you start to understand what you need to shoot, what you don't need to shoot, and how to get a better edit for the post-production. Because once you're in production and you're shooting things, if you don't shoot that one thing, you're not going to get it. So you have to go reshoot it. So learning how to speak with your camera DP and your camera team and work with that, that's, it's super helpful. I also used to work in the art department, making props that work, turning on lights, doing electrical stuff. I had to learn how to solder and learn that you need resistors because some things just don't, <laughs> it's going to burn out if you overpower it and, you know. Learning those things also really helped because if I need to fix something or you need to have quick fixes on set, you have the tools. Always be prepared. That was the thing about being a prop master is be prepared for everything to go wrong. And so getting your bongo ties, your C47s, your flashlights and, you know, staplers, stapler removers, like your scissors, all that stuff. You need all that. You know that ready to go. If you don't have somebody on set who has all that and is like your go-to person, you're missing out. You, you don't know what you're missing. I remember this, my one friend, uh, Milton, if you're, I don't think you're listening, but always the best person to have on set because he was always um, on if I needed something, hey, I need this fixing, he'd fix it. And that would be the thing. He'd be like, oh, you're genius, man. And so being that person also really gets you far in the industry because you're that person who has all the tools ready to go and you've got some, you got a creative idea to fix something, you're good to go. And they're going to watch you on set because it's hard to not have you on it. <laughs> um, yeah, again, I'm a lot. <laughs> it's it's really, sometimes it's hard for me to deal with myself. It's hard for other people to deal with me. Just I think it's because I've got a lot, so much going on. And, and if I'm being super honest and, and transparent, like it's really hard to date me. <laughs> I've ha I missed, I've lost a lot of significant people in my life just because I work too much. And I forget that they're there, but I don't, I'm not a texter either. And so texting comes hard. I'm, I'm always working over late at night. Uh, I, I screenplay right until like 2.30 in the morning or editing until 2 and just am honestly always a workaholic. So it's really hard to do that. And I've actually not given up on dating, but just, just not focusing on that. There's no point. For me, there's no point. Um, as much as it would be nice to have somebody in my life, it's really just not in the cards. It's really not. I've got too much going on and I would feel bad for anybody who would want to date me because I just probably wouldn't put enough time into it. That's the honest truth is that I work so much that it's not feasible. Um, 
And for those who can juggle, great, good for you. That's something you can do. And don't honestly, don't be like me. I enjoy my life. I enjoy what I do and how much I work. I don't need to have somebody in my life to make me passionate about that. And I wait for people. I, I wait. I wait for that moment that it, things are just working out, and that's the time. That's the right time for us. Um, but you no, know, I've even tried to date a few people, and if they don't respond. Then fine, that's fine. It really is just fine with me because. I got shit going on and it's, it's not any brag to be like, I got shit going on. You're missing out. It's more like I got shit going on. I can't give you enough of my attention and that's on me. So I'm just not going to put that effort in because it's, it would be, it would be hard to want to do that and not be able to give that time. And as much as I, maybe I should, it's just not in the cards right now yeah it's a little bit about personal life but i think that's also part of the industry too is that sometimes we do work so hard that we don't have time for a real life outside of industry stuff and even on our instagrams and socials we stick to work stuff sometimes but try to have a life um do something do as i say not as i do you know (laughs) um it's not something to brag about for me it's just something it's just who i am it's just who i am it's I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm really passionate about the projects and stories I'm telling right now and to see that people want me to tell them and that more people are really like, do it and you need it and I just go, keep going. It's It feels really good. I feel like I'm on the right path for myself. So, you know, for the people who do know what I'm, the projects I'm working on and telling, great. I'm not going to say I'm here. There's no reason to do that. But it's, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for it because it's, I've been working for this for years. And that's the tenacity that I, I need myself. So, yeah, that's honestly, that's it about me. For everybody else who's still listening to this, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Keep working on you. Keep working on you. People are, people in lives can really try to deter you and say hurtful things and misunderstand you. That's the biggest thing for me. Is like, don't, misunderstandings can be totally negated and and left left to the side never happen if we actually make phone calls and talk to people it's really weird and when people like try to just say i'm a piece of shit (laughs) i just have to brush it off it hurts me it hurts me it hurts me so much that i'm like why would you say that what am i doing wrong (laughs) what am i doing that's really hurting anybody oh my gosh like all i'm doing is trying to help people and for you to call me a piece of shit is that's okay that's on you that's on you I, I can only do my best to be the best person i can be for myself and the community at large and so i can really do so it's when something like that happens to you just brush it off it's easier said than done but at the end of the day it's like it was probably just a misunderstanding and if they don't want to talk about it they don't want to talk about it so you got to keep doing you and Keep working forward and stay healthy. Wake up, drink your water, go for a little walk. If you don't go for a run, go for a walk. Stretch, do you know? Stretch your hands, stretch your arms, stretch your your wrists. We're at computers all day, and you're on your phone. Just stretch them out. Take a nap. You know, this new Delta variant, and now the Lambda variant, the Delta Plus variant. Like it's ridiculous outside right now, and I just I'm starting to lock myself back down because. I don't want to get any of that, and I don't want to help spread it. Just be aware and wash your hands and all that stuff. Again, we're a little, it's the episode, and we're going to shut down. But thanks again for tuning in. Um, uh, you know, we'll be able to do another one of these podcasts again soon. It might be, again, a podcast is probably going to go to a clubhouse, more like a clubhouse format. As people know, we can't really record on Clubhouse. I'm finding a way that you can, but I want to see how difficult it is, how good it is. We will either put that on this, or we'll start to make it a premium plan, and we'll see how that goes. But for now 
we have a couple more episodes coming up and then we might be going back to clubhouse yeah thanks again for tuning in keep in touch stay focused do what you got to do and i hope any of this episode was i don't know i don't know if helpful or just something i listened to i would hope to get a new host a new either new host or a co-host to talk with me i I really don't want to hear my own perspective all the time i want to hear other people's perspective Uh, i have questions but i really want to get people on this and rather have more conversations than like interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm actually gonna close out now. So thanks again for tuning in. I hope to see you next week.